Welcome to the Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is put together by the Boise Nampa LDS Institute of Religion. Our hope here is to help young adults find relevant principles as they study this week's Come Follow Me scripture block. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It's not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions and perspectives, as we have learned to come follow him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Come, let's follow him. Okay, well, welcome back. It's good to be here again this week. Um, excited to continue on in our conversation about Isaiah. Um, we've had some great talks in the last few weeks about that and and uh, what he has presented to the world here. Um, I'm super excited about today's episode. We've got uh, Brother Neil Knight here with us, our resident scriptorian deep thinker. And uh, so we're excited to have you. Welcome, Neil. It's good to, good to have you here today. Um, why don't we uh, just take a minute uh, just to get to know you a little bit. Just introduce yourself. Tell us, uh, tell us about you and, and whatever. Well, first of all, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is my first uh, a podcast. Uh, it I, looks like I won't be able to use my PowerPoint. Is that right? Yeah, maybe not. Okay. Well, you can use it. Just, just, uh, just describe what you're looking okay. at to it. And I wore my pink shirt and really cool. You, you look skin really tie. good. <laughs> all to, all wasted. So, anyway, um, yeah, I've I've been teaching seminary and institute here in the the valley for just finished 38 years full time, wow. wow. and um, I love what I do. Um, it's you know if, if I have a gospel hobby, which we're encouraged to not really do, uh, it would probably be the apostasy of the early Christian church, yeah. and uh, the second, which has actually been a hobby for longer than that, is uh, dealing with tough questions. Yeah, um, I got introduced to some tough questions when I was about sixteen, and and that's just been a a deal, and I and I have the wonderful opportunity to teach classes now on those two yeah. hobbies of mine so that's cool yeah wonderful classes too you and i are a little bit kindred spirits in that i those are both passions of mine in the study of the gospel and and i'm, I'm a little jealous that you get to teach those yeah. classes in fact i've told uh, our our institute director that when you're done teaching those i get to i get them next oh, so, so but you're prepping them. you're getting them all set up for me <laughs> and i'll come and just teach your stuff yeah you know just a little bit about me yeah um, yeah i have six kids okay. uh, one wife yeah and uh, a couple of grandkids that are like the center of the universe right. for grandpa. Right. Yeah. And it's it's great being a grandpa. Yeah. So. Well, it's good to good to know you and good to have you here. I'm excited to to get your take on some of Isaiah here. We uh, you know in weeks past we talked about how um, you know there's some validity to the to the discussion about how how difficult Isaiah can be uh, for for the layperson to read, but that there's so much there um, that the uh, the Savior quoting him as often as he did, and and inviting us to study Isaiah and Third Nephi. You know those are those are real, and and those commands to to study Isaiah are real and and valid. And so I'm excited to get your wisdom and in, and take on uh, on chapter 40 today is where we're going to start. So uh, why don't you give us a little bit of maybe just back up, give us a little bit of context to jump us into 40 and then take off. You know this is uh, there's a definite break between even chapter 39 and 40, which mm. is the first chapter in our block. Sure. Uh, in the several chapters before this, there's a lot of judgment of God mm. on wicked people, wicked nations, the wrath of God coming mm -hmm. as a consequence of their of their sins. Sure. And and uh, and then in chapter 40, it's, I mean, let's look at verse 1. Yeah. It's, it's an immediate break. Sure. Um, you have a, a beautiful voice. Oh. Would you be willing to sing oh, verses one sing through three? Sing verse one. <laughs> you want me to read it? Yeah, yeah. Just one. Um, one for now, because okay. uh, this will just show the the difference in tone. Yeah, sure. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Oh yeah, that's it's wrath and everything to thirty nine, and then comfort ye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and do you know why I said sing it? Do you recognize? Oh yeah. Handel's Messiah. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> this, you know, such inspiration and, and such a, a f the way the words flow. Yeah. Um, Handel's 
librettist, his mm -hmm. lyricist, uh, used Isaiah a lot. Yeah. And uh, uh, we, we won't read more in, in, uh, in this in terms of, you know, identifying Handel and sure. his, his sure. work. But, but it's there. But, but there's, there's, the, there's the, the difference, there's yeah. the break. Uh, some scholars have even said, this, this is a different Isaiah. Mm. It's the, 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 the change is so profound that they say, this, this is a second Isaiah. Or, but yeah, comfort, it's all about comfort. We're going to see in these verses his love for us, yeah. his compassion, his understanding of, of our condition, our situation, his power. Sure. The mercy and the judgment of, of God, the Savior in the Old Testament, is kind of juxtaposed as well. You see, you see him caring so much and being willing to listen and counsel and and do what the people want in some cases and in other cases he just comes in and fixes it right so it's isaiah 1 through 39 and then this even verse 2 i really love verse 2 speak ye comfortably to jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished that her iniquity is pardoned yeah this is the savior saying hey you're going to be okay we're going to get you back and uh but but don't forget 1 through 39 right right, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, yeah. You know, 1 through 39 is for the wicked, and, and you start with 39, and it's, it's more for sure. the righteous. It's more of, of something to look forward to with hope. Yeah. You know, when it talks about verse 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Talking yeah. about John the Baptist. Right, for sure. Preparing for, and that's, that's you know, yeah. way down the road. 600, 700 years in the future, yeah. and, and, uh, but still there's this hope hmm. that, that people can have right now, even though it's 600 years away. Right. Or, hope that people can have right now, even though it was 2,000 years yeah, ago. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So <laughs> we're also going to see that he has a long-term commitment to us. Um, so I, uh, any other thoughts on no, this? No, I, I love it. Keep going. Because I do have an agenda here. Yeah, you. I, I, want, <laughs> I want your full agenda. Let's go to Isaiah 43. Okay. We're not going to do every verse in all of these chapters. There's yeah. no way to do that. And um, and I'll, I'll read this because there's something I want to point out. Mm -hmm. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Now pause right there. I don't know if anybody else in previous podcasts in Isaiah have talked about the poetry. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I think it can actually sometimes help us understand him better sure. if we understand what he's doing. What I just read there is... is uh, an example of real basic, simple Hebrew poetry called parallelism. Okay. And parallelism is you say something and then you repeat it mm -hmm. in, in different words. Okay. So as we look at this, thus saith the Lord that created thee. Now here comes the parallelism. Uh, o Jacob and he that formed thee, O Israel. Mm -hmm. So um, created thee, O Jacob formed the O Israel. It's, it's, he's talking to the same group of people. Yeah. Some people think Isaiah is very repetitive and they're right. Yeah. But it's by but, design. By design, yeah. yeah. He's being poetic. And so sometimes when we see this, we can we can get some insight. Yeah, that's cool. That's because cool. Because he's saying the same thing in two different ways. Yeah, and so so maybe maybe you are understanding it the first sentence you read, and then the second sentence might confuse you, but it's the same thing and it's supposed to be. Yeah. And so it confuses you because you're like, wait, I thought I just read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. I love that. Um, so, let, cool. continuing. Cool. Here he says, fear not. For I have redeemed thee. I want you to notice the verbs here. I have redeemed thee, mm. and I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mm. mine. Mm. What do you notice about the verbs there? I have redeemed thee. Well, it's it's already done. Past tense. Yeah, yeah. And yet this is six, seven hundred years before Christ even comes to, yeah. to, to fulfill the atonement. Yeah. Yeah. The atonement was effective in our pre-mortal lives, right. even. Yeah, it was going to happen, and thus saith the Lord. Yeah, yeah. It, you can take it to the bank. Yeah, it's a That's done cool. deal. That's cool. In fact, uh, he, and, and I think it's important. He doesn't say, "I will redeem you." It's, "I have redeemed you." It's happened already. Redeem is an interesting word. Um, one of the the definitions is you pay a ransom to free somebody. Mm. And that's what Christ has done yeah. as he redeems us. He's paid a price sure. to redeem us, yeah. and that's already been done for us. Uh, it, the debt has already been paid, and we carry his name. Yeah. As, as covenant uh, people, we are, by covenant, sons and daughters of Christ. 
as the Book of Mormon teaches, and, uh, and it's already happened. Well, there's something really beautiful to me about the language that he uses here as well as, as owning us, right? Like he's paid our, our debt, he owns us. There's, there's a, a couple of things that had stuck out to me as I was studying this that um, Paul in Corinthians talks about that, that you're bought with a price, right? Yeah. Um, the early saints were told, yet I will own them. Right and and that that just there's just something beautiful to me about how the Savior owns us, right and and if we're willing to give ourselves over, he owns us. I think about my younger years when I there were so many things going on in my life and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do in my life and get through school and all the things that but I felt really frantic. I felt like everything was just coming at me a million miles an hour, getting married, having kids, all the things. Major choices yeah. in a short time of your life. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and I, I think now, if I'd, have, if I'd have sat back and said, the Savior owns my experience, He knows, and wants me to succeed, I think it maybe would have been a little bit more comforting. I would have had a little more comfort in my life saying, He's bought, he's bought me. He's bought my experience here, and I just need to have Him help me kind of lead me through that. Yeah, yeah that, that's cool. Yeah, and, and if, I'm, if I'm concerned about my salvation, if I'm concerned about my standing before God, I think it's comforting to know that that's already been done. Yeah. He's done. Right. He's paid the price. We just have to turn yeah. to Him yeah. and, uh, and, yeah, and let it work good. for us. Um, well, it's verse 2, right? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. See the parallelism there, by yeah. the way? Yeah, that's okay. cool. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle up against thee. There parallel. it is twice, right? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's right there. Now, and, and I looked at this and I thought, this is kind of kind of cool. Uh, when thou passest through the waters, when did Israel pass through waters, literally? Oh, yeah, that was past tense in the yeah. Moses, right? Yeah, and yeah. then and through the rivers. Yep, crossing the Jordan. Yeah, and, and uh, in both cases, they went through on dry ground. Yeah, yeah. And now... I would guess, following this, that when people that is of God, you know, the Israelites would cross a river or something, they got wet. Yeah, these were two really rare examples. Yeah, uh, and the fire, you know, you won't be burned. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, now, this is, you know, before, but yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah they uh, they were in the fire. He did seven times normal, whatever sure. that means. I yeah. don't know how you right. get fire. What normal but, is. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when they came out, they, they weren't burned, and there wasn't even the smell of the smoke uh -huh. on them. But I'll bet that the rest of their lives, before and after that, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got too close to a fire, they felt it. They yeah, felt yeah. the heat. Yeah. And so I think, I think that what this, to me, it, it says is there are times, maybe they're rare and miraculous moments, when we don't feel the heat mm. in our lives, yeah. those those stresses, those challenges, those tribulations, we don't we don't uh, we don't get wet. You know, his promise yeah. is this stuff will come, but you don't have to be overwhelmed yeah. by it all. Correct me. I think it was President Hinckley that said that the Lord will mold our backs to meet the burden placed upon them. Uh, that sounds like something he might have said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that is akin to this. That yeah. I don't feel the burden. I don't feel the heat when I've stayed with the Lord and I've stuck stuck it out and I've gone through the hard and the trials yeah. that have molded me yeah. and helped me become what I need to become. There, you know. And I think as I look at my life, I don't know that I've had <clears throat> a time where it was a miraculous thing for me. Sure. I think uh, I have felt His hand. In, in ways that are not quite that, uh, uh, I don't know, amazing. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking of um, Chris Williams. Yeah. He's the, the dad that uh, was in the car accident, lost his wife and two of his kids. And, yeah. and, and he wrote a book uh, about this experience and mostly after the experience about how his ability to get past that and to forgive mm -hmm. the teenage drunk driver that caused the accident. Yeah how he could forgive him, and it was, it was God working in him. It was, it was the spirit that was not letting him get overwhelmed, yeah. not get burnt, not get drowned. Well, yeah, it's the Savior owning you, right, and helping yeah. you through that. I, I um, re can relate to his experience. Uh, you know, Neil, that 
I have a couple daughters that were hit and, uh, by a drunk driver. The drunk driver passed away and they killed, he killed their best friend. And, and uh, my wife and my experience going through that was very different than our daughters. Um, but uh, we felt very buoyed up um, as we went through that experience. And we would say 100% it's because our cup was full before that event. That we had something in our bucket to give that the, the, the we we put some time in in our lives to have uh, a resource in the Savior that we had we had known Him um, and that when it came time for Him to take over, there was a relationship already there, um, and and I think that then we could see Him working actively in our life. I don't know if that would have been as visible to us. Probably He would have been as active. But I don't know if it would have been as visible to us had we not had the years of, of preparation for those types of events. Prior to that, we just kind of sailed along. And, uh, and then that event happens. And I think most of us have those types of events happen in our lives on, on some level, some massive scale that, that make us kind of slow down and back up and look at, oh, yeah, the Savior is part of my life. We see Him yeah. very evidently. But, yeah, I've got a, a friend that... Uh, about 20 years ago, went through a horrible crumbling of his marriage. And I won't get into details or names or anything, but he, he, uh, he fasted and he prayed. I don't know how much weight, 30, 40, 50 pounds he lost. Um, just trying to get Heavenly Father's help to save this marriage and, and to, you know, fix you know his wife she she was having some serious uh, emotional problems and behavioral problems and and uh, and it it didn't change anything the divorce happened and and it was just a horrible drawn out agonizing experience for him and right near the end of that we we were talking and uh, and he said you know you know that parable of the footprints in the sand mm -hmm. where the man sees his life as footprints in the sand and there are two sets of footprints. Yeah. Except sometimes, sometimes when the hardest only, parts yeah. of his life, right? And, and, he, and he says to the Lord, wait a second, on my hardest times, there's only one set of footprints. Right, yeah. Why would you leave me when I needed you most? Yeah. And the Savior said, that was when I carried you. And my friend said, he said, I don't believe that principle. <laughs> He said, this has been horrible and draining and heartbreaking. Mm. And I, I just, I don't think he's been carrying me. I haven't felt that. Mm -hmm. I talked to him last night, mm. 20 years later. Sure. And I asked him about that. And I said, do you, do you feel the same way? That in your darkest moments that, that you were all alone and he wasn't carrying you. And without hesitation, he says, no, I don't, I don't feel that way anymore. Mm. And he went on to talk about um, how he could look back and see how he could look back and, and now recognize. What a powerful principle that in the moment we feel like we're alone. Um, but when we have hindsight and the ability to look back, we see that not only were we not alone, we weren't doing much on our own. Um, I have students that uh, have struggled for a long time with certain things and... Um, and will say, why isn't God helping me? Where is he at? He's like, left me alone here. And, and, you know, the only counsel you really can give them is just stay at it, just stay going and keep looking. And, uh, but, but that principle that you've just shared would, would indicate that they might not see him for some period of time. Yeah. You know, but he's there. Yeah. These verses are all over, they're, they're saying that all over that, all over there. If it's that hard. Yeah. Um, of an, an experience that we can't even tell is helping, yeah. he's helping, then how bad would it be if he weren't helping? Right, Verse four. look at verse 4, chapter 43. Since thou was precious in, thy, in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. We'll bring thy seed from the east and gather from the, from the west. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just with them, going through their stuff. And uh, from there, let's go to... Um, Isaiah 49. Okay. I'm, I'm changing the order yeah, of things just because good. of what we're talking yeah, about. That's good. And uh, let me get to 49. Verses 14 through 16. These verses are also 
you know, in uh, the Book of Mormon. That, and that's where I really got more familiar with them, was yeah. studying to teach Isaiah in the Book of Mormon. So this is 14, 49, 14? 49, 14, okay. 15, 16. And, and I love these verses. When I stopped and thought about them, stopped and thought about what they meant, what they're saying, mm -hmm. this, is, this is powerful. This is uh, heartwarming. Yeah. Uh, would you read for sure. us? But Zion said, The Lord God hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Parallelism. Yeah. Okay, I'll stop pointing those out. They're, they're, they're just all <laughs> over. It is. Good. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. It'll stop there wow. for a second. It, it would be more likely that a woman would forget her feeding child than the Savior would forget. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I can't look at this from the perspective of a, a mother. Um, uh, and I imagine it's even less likely a mother would, would forget than a father would yeah, forget. For sure. But I can't imagine forgetting any of my children. Yeah. But he's not. He's yeah. just not. And in verse 16, he tells us why. Yeah, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Yeah. What, what do you think that, that last portion, thy walls are continually before me? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've never looked into that part of it. That's, inter that's an interesting, yeah. interesting statement. I don't know either. Walls can represent limitations sure. or barriers. Yeah. And maybe he's saying, I recognize your barriers. Yeah. They're always yeah. before me. I see where you're at. Yeah. I get it. That's good. And it's okay that we don't know, right? Yep. Uh, yep. And that's something, you know, we can go study. In fact, now that I've been asked that question and couldn't answer, I want to study find it, out. Right? <laughs> good. So he, he's not going to forget us. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter, um, really, where we are, what, what, where we're at. Um, you probably remember the Jeffrey R. Holland quote. Um, in fact, would you read it for sure, us? Sure, of course. So I'm probably going to get emotional. Oh, yeah, this. However late you think you are, however many chances you think you have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made, or talents you think you don't have, or however far from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of the divine, of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. What? You went, oh yeah, this one. What What uh, the, does this mean to you? Yeah, there's something at the end there that uh, obviously it's not possible for us to sink lower. But what he says at the end of that line, not look, like, I think when we, when we initially hear that, I think, well, yeah, I can't sink lower than Christ sank, right? But that's not what he's saying. He says... It's not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. It's the light of Christ that comes that low, right? No matter how far down I am, I can feel His love, I can feel His light, and the atonement comes down that low too, right? Yeah. It can pick me up. So I love, the reason this stands out to me is I love the concept of light coming into my darkest moments, that I'm not alone, that there is, that there is, uh, light shining there, and that shines on the access to the atonement down that yeah, low, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's just, cool. And, and I, I like how you said that. Um, I, I would just put one caveat on sure. we can always feel. Yeah. I think there are some things that we can do or we can think or feel that can block that, mm -hmm. where we may not feel it, may not recognize it, whether it's something like mental illness that sure. we're not responsible for right. at all, sure. yeah. that can block those feelings. It mm -hmm. can be... Um, feelings of I'm not good enough, I'm yeah. not worthy, I've done too much, I've gone too far, right. can block those feelings. But when we, when we turn to Him, um, we can recognize that He's there, that that light is there, the encouragement is there, uh, what He did is for all people. Well, it, it reminds me of, a, of a, a concept that I think of often that, you know, when we're, when we're beaten down and when we're going through trials and our struggles and we we start thinking about them, our, our physical tendency is to drop our head, to lower our head and to look down. And I, I think of someone going through, through it to the point where they're feeling like, I cannot come back. And that physically would look like head down, looking at the ground. But the idea that anytime you look up, 
you see a broader picture, you see mm -hmm. more light. Um, and I think that not just looking up physically, but looking up to God, that's the turn, right? It, and, and then light becomes present. The, the, the perspective is much broader than looking at the ground right in front of you on the path that you've decided to trod down that isn't where you want to be. But when I look up, I see other paths, I see other ways. More of an eternal perspective. Exactly, yeah. 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 I get out of that. So I love that. I love that idea. It's cool. Um, Elder Packer, a similar quote, which I won't read all of it, but he says, there's, there's no habit, no addiction, no rebellion, no transgression, no apostasy, no crime that's exempt from the promise of complete forgiveness. And so he says, do not give up if at first you fail. Do not give up. That brilliant morning will come. Um, the, this is the gospel of hope. And the gospel is full of hope. And I'm grateful for that. I love that. I love that. I, I, I might just take us to verse 6, chapter 49 as well, and maybe you have more here. This is, uh, I think, where the Savior is speaking to Isaiah again. He says, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant. And he goes on and speaks a little bit more about Isaiah's individual assignment, but but it is a light thing. You know, I think sometimes, especially <laughs> when we go serve missions or we get a calling that's heavy and we feel... Uh, burdened down by certain assignments and, and things that he's asked us to do, when we really yoke ourselves with him, uh, it, it, there is no, you're really not doing much. <laughs> he, he's going to do all the work. You just have to be the legs to go do it, right? Even if we're doing all we can. Yeah, right. It's still yeah, our part. It's, it's small, and, and, and it's a light thing as not heavy. Right. But I think it's also, a, and, this, and I don't think yeah. this is what he meant here, but it's also a light right. thing, the light that shines. and. Yeah the light that he, he gives us. Yeah, that's really yeah. pretty. That's a beautiful statement. Yeah. Thank you. Love this. Love this. Let's look at Isaiah 43 okay. again. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but um, there's something I think is it can be important to some people. You know, I mentioned one of my hobbies is, is finding answers to tough questions. Yeah. And, and uh, this scripture block contains, contains a high concentration of verses that say, I'm the only God, there is no God beside me, there's no God formed before me, there won't be any God after me. Sure. And, and our, our Catholic and Protestant friends interpret that to mean it's talking about monotheism. Right. And, and so then they look at us and say, you can't become a God. There right. are no gods before, no gods after, there's nothing besides me. Right. And so um, let's look at uh, an example of that. Isaiah 43, starting in verse 10. Okay. And would you be willing to sure. read that? Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. So, and that sounds, you know, pretty straightforward. Yeah. But I think the use or the, the words that are used are kind of important. They're before me, well, the, the, the traditional Christian view of God is there was no before him. Yeah. He, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so this indicates at least potentially there's there's a time frame, right. you know, sure. um, which which we believe That's in. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also the word formed. Before me there was no God formed. Formed, huh? formed uh, as in the earth was formed, and mm -hmm. a, a potter forms mm. something. Well, we can we can agree with that. Um, th that uh, gods aren't formed like the earth is formed. Yeah. Gods aren't formed like false idols. Yeah. And that's the key thing here. Right. Um, and neither shall there be one formed after me. Um, the, the, the context is important. And the context for most of the statements in the Old Testament, where God is saying there's no other God besides right. me, that's the next verse, right. but there's no God before or after me. The context is there's a competition going on, this contest, which really shouldn't be a contest, for the hearts of Israel yeah. between real God, right. who, the one who delivered them and sustained them in the right. wilderness and all of that. That created this organization of people even, who yeah. formed you, right? And, yeah. and the whole, you know, everything we know, yeah. that God and these false gods. That's the context. Yeah. And so when he's, when he's saying there's no God besides me or there's no God before, formed before me, yeah. These, it's about these false idols. He's not talking about the potential of other beings who have become God like He is. Yeah. In fact, 
I went through the whole Old Testament looking for these statements, mm. and I've only found two that don't have this as their context. Yeah, that's surrounded with that yeah. information. Yeah, so either before or after you'll find that. Well, that's interesting. I think you're right. I think, um, you know, as I, as I hear you say that and think about the context of what he's talking about here, he's really talking about Israel. He's saying, I've formed you. I've put you all together. I'm the guy yeah. that right, has organized you. And yeah, and, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's interesting thinking broader about those individual verses. Read, read the next verse there. I, even I am the Lord, yeah. and beside me there is no Savior. Yeah. If you look at uh, the, the word beside, it sounds like, you know, besides me. Yeah. So people say, yeah, see, he's the only one. There's nobody, but, no God but him, beside him. Right. The beside is a comparative thing. Mm. And so going back mm. now yeah. to uh, chapter 43, when he says there's no God beside me, he's mm. saying all of these other gods, these false idols, they can't compare with me. Yeah. And, and since we're on this topic, yeah. Isaiah 44. Okay. I... <laughs> I kind of think it's fun, funny, when a prophet gets a little bit snarky, yeah, kind of sarcastic, yeah. you know, like Elijah did in that competition right, of yeah. lighting a sacrifice yeah. with it. Dump as much water on it as you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and at noon he's saying to them, you've been working all morning and nothing. Maybe yeah. he's asleep. Yeah. Maybe your God has gone on a try right. harder, yeah. you know, and, and he's just taunting them. Mm -hmm. Well, Isaiah does a little bit of that. Okay. Um, verse 9. Okay. So, you want to get some context here? Uh, no. no okay. This, this, okay. We, we've got, first of all, we know the, the overarching context is, I'm the only God. Yeah. These other gods, they don't do anything okay. for you. Yeah. And so now he's going to get a little sarcastic. Got it. Yeah. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity, and their delectable things shall not profit. Meaning they're precious idols sure. that they love so much. And they are their own witnesses. They see not, nor know, that they may be ashamed. The idols are their own witness. Yeah. The idols are the best evidence against them being gods, right, yeah. because they know nothing, they see nothing, yeah. they, they do Well, and, and there's somewhere else in the scriptures, and I can't point to it right now, and you probably could, but where the Lord talks to them about idols, and He says, you made those with your own hands. Here we go. Right? You, you, let's, let's go there. You did it. You created this. <laughs> this is not some God that came down to you. Yeah. Where, is, where am I going? Well, and there's probably more than one place. Sure. But skip to 14. Okay. And I'll just summarize 14. He says, you know, a, a person will go and, and uh, he'll, he'll, he, he'll cut, cut down some trees and, um, you know, some of them he plants and, and the rain nourishes it. Yeah. And then 15, um, and then he's going to take it and he's going to burn it. Right. And he's going to use it to warm himself. Part of it will be to warm himself. Right. Some of it he uses to cook food. Yeah. And when he's done, here's a little bit left over, and he says, huh, what do I do with this leftover piece of wood here? I'll make a god. <laughs> yeah, right. And then he says, uh, verse 17, the residue thereof, he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, deliver me, for thou art my god. Mm. And, you know, 18, they don't know, they don't understand, they, don't, they can't see, there are no hearts to understand. And so he's just uh, he's just making fun of these people and their false idols yeah. and false gods. And I think we kind of do the same thing. We look back and go, what were they thinking? Well, and 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 we <laughs> okay. So if we stick with them for a second, they take this little seed that they see and they go out and they plant it, and then God rains on it and shines the sun on it and makes the thing grow. And they go out and say, look what I have done, right? Yeah. <laughs> I planted the seed. And then they, they cut the thing down and they take it in and they warm themselves with their fire that they've made by this thing that God created, right? And, and they make bread with that heat. And now they're fed because of it. How wonderful that they have done all these things, right? And we get to the end of these verses and it's like, no, you're, you're totally missing that everything you have, everything you just did came because God did it for you. And I think in our lives, that is so, so our, our, our lives, right? We, we go to school. We get educated. We learn all these things, and then we have a career, mm -hmm. right? Or we date correctly, and we go through the process of being worthy to go to the temple, and then we are so proud of ourselves. 
when in reality, had I not been given prophetic statements about how to date correctly and how to stay worthy to go to the temple, I would never have done it probably that way, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, I think we get so proud of ourselves and then we forget God and we turn and we say, because I have done this, yeah. I'm now going to worship me effectively. Yeah, and I, I think another angle um, of that is we also start to look at the things that are providing good things for us. Sure. You know, the, the wood was providing good things, and so well, let's worship this, yeah, you know. Right. And, and a, a friend of mine, uh, you might have heard of Todd Knowles. Yeah, yeah. A long time ago, he said yeah. it's kind of like taking a bite of ice cream and going, that's an amazing spoon. <laughs> <laughs> I love this spoon. <laughs> and it's not the spoon, you yeah. know. It's, it's, it, it's the ice cream, you know, and it's not what God has produced that we're using and getting blessed by. It's God, right? not the creation that we worship. The Creator yeah. is who we worship. Yeah, no, I just think that's such an important concept for us to remember that there's so much of our lives that that, that uh, is God-given, and yet we claim it as we did it. I, I, think, about, I think about people who, who say statements like, well, I can worship God better in the woods than I can at church. And I think, you're going to go out into nature where God created all the things, and you've created your own church space to worship a God that said, go to this church space, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and take the sacrament and have, have priesthood involved. And, right? the, the concept is, is similar, that mm -hmm. we create our own gods by saying, I think this because of what God's given me, right? Yeah. That's and I'd like to take a few minutes and talk about why, why they, they weren't stupid. No. I don't think we can look back and say we're smarter than no. they were. Yeah. We know stuff they didn't. Sure. But these are not unintelligent people, but why, why would this be, have such an appeal to them? Why would they look to these graven images? And, and I think part of the answer is these gods represented, um, the, in the pagan culture, represented the powers that had to do with enough rain sure. and fertility for their crops. Sure. This, this was the equivalent of their science yeah. of the day. Yeah. And so as we look at ourselves, we, we look back and say, they're worshiping a piece of wood that's carved in this specific, that's ridiculous, but what do we have? Yeah. What are the graven images that we look at and worship? Yeah, that's true. And, 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 it, and can be deceived by. Yeah, right. And, and, and part of me thinks when you ask the question, why, were they, why did they do this? I think, well, it's no different than us saying this part of our life, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a box and I'm going to say it's only applicable to itself. Um, so, for example, um, childbearing, right? Let's say, for you and I, sometimes we get so focused on childbearing and how, when and how we're going to do it that it becomes its own thing, ir irrespective of everything else going on in our lives, right? Um, back then, for them to say, well, I'm going to create a God that has to do with fertility, and then any problems I have, any circumstance I have that is that is having to do with fertility in my life, I'm going to go to that God and I'm going, to, I'm going to have that discussion with that being. And any problems I have are His fault and I've upset Him or I've, right? And so it's compartmentalizing all of the components of life into things that we can understand, into smaller bites that you and I can go, oh, okay, fertility. Let's talk about fertility. I'm going to have that discussion. Let's talk about the climate, let, let, right? And we, and we put all of these individual containers up and then we say, this is the one we're talking about right now. Let's pull it off the shelf and look at it completely separate from all the other containers. But God's knowledge is so broad, and because we don't think like He thinks, it's easier for us to pull small gods off, yeah. right, and, and piece them together. And lose that eternal perspective yeah, that God sure. wants us to share yeah. with Him. Um, and, and by the way, part of the appeal with the fertility gods is that they would include ritual immorality. Yeah. And, and so it was an excuse to yeah, behave in a way that they really knew was wrong. Right. So the gods that we have today, there's a long quote from President Kimball that I won't read, but he gives a list of, of some kinds of things. Uh, modern idols or false gods can take such forms as clothes, hmm. homes, businesses, machines, automobiles, pleasure boats, numerous other material deflectors from the path to godhood. And I think that's the key principle. Hmm. Whatever it is, 
that we've got in our lives, is this deflecting me from the path to God? Or that becomes right. our false God. Intangible things make just as ready gods. Degrees and letters and titles can become idols. Um, and that's there's more, um, but but uh, you know we we have things today that we think will meet our needs better than Christ. Yeah, that will perhaps allow us to make choices that otherwise we would know were wrong. Science, yeah, can become a um, and I'm not I'm not anti-science at all, but sometimes if we put all of our eggs in that basket, we can be deflected from. Yeah, the, the person who understands the science best of right. all. Right. Yeah, and, and not that not that science is incorrect in the moment, but it's probably not all correct. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it, you you've reminded me of something that Elder Christofferson said. Um, <clears throat> he great he gave a great uh, talk on truth um, back in 2017. He said some claim their truth. Mike, right? We hear that saying yeah. all the time. My truth, their truth. In fact, his. Much of this talk has to do with that concept of my truth. He says, some claim their truth, I'm doing air quotes, in an attempt to indicate that God has not spoken on the matter, and so their revelation is needed as they can't know any better collectively. But we do know better. The light of Christ given to all men teaches us right from wrong. We are not doing the best we can. By and large, we do know right from wrong, but wish we didn't. We only make believe we are searching for truth so that we can do wrong, condone wrong, or suppress our remorse for having done wrong in the past. Our moral decline is owed not to moral ignorance, but to moral suppression. We aren't untutored, but in denial. We don't lack moral knowledge, we hold it down. Yeah. Right? That's the, that's the false gods about, uh, more, uh, about uh, fertility, that, mm -hmm. that, oh, well, now I get to do this thing. I, I wish I knew how to have children, and I wish I knew how to talk to God about it, but I get to do this thing yeah, instead, right? Yeah. It's suppressing of the, yeah. of the truth. Great talk, yeah, by the way. It really great, is wonderful. Great ideas. I have just one more thing. Yeah, please. That'll, that'll be perfect. Uh, let's go back where we started. Okay. Isaiah chapter 40. Okay. Verse 11. While we're, while we're turning there, I might say one of the things I love about Isaiah is that as much as I think we should be able to read from beginning to end of Isaiah, like we've done here today, I think there's a lot of value in, in finding principles and doctrines and studying what Isaiah said about those principles mm -hmm. and doctrines. Um, it maybe gives us a little less of, a, of the storyline, but I don't know that he's real big on writing the storyline out, right? Not, not in here. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so to be okay with that as the, those studying, right, when I'm, when I'm studying Isaiah, I think I need to become okay with that and get out of that box of reading A to Z, um, which we get into pretty regularly. So anyway, sorry, 40. No, that's great. He shall feed his flock and, and then the adverbial clauses uh -huh. back in English class. Yeah. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Uh -huh. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. So as I looked at this, I thought, okay, how does he feed his flock? How does a shepherd, first of all, we're his flock, right? He's not talking about sheep. How does a shepherd feed his flock? Well, he leads them yeah. where there will be good things for them to eat. Yeah. When they get there, the shepherd isn't gonna walk up and grab a handful of grass right. and stuff it in the mouth, right? <laughs> but he leads them yeah. safely oh, that's cool. to a place where it is there. They have to choose to eat, and, huh. and that's like us. He, he will lead us lovingly and, and take us to where we have the stuff yeah. that we need, but we still have to eat. lift the spoon right. <laughs> and, and eat. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. Now this mm -hmm. is, you know, metaphorical sure. language here, and in, in, in the, especially the Old Testament arm is representative of power. Yeah. So he's going to gather them with his power mm -hmm. and carry them in his bosom. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about what it would be like to have his arms around you, pulling you to his bosom? Mm -hmm. Sweet, yeah. a yeah. sweet idea. And lead those gently that are with young, those that are uh, in a situation where they are not able to go as fast as somebody else. Mm -hmm. His his care extends to those who have a particular situation that might slow them down. I love that, and I love that it 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 indicates his willingness to come to the level that we are at. Yeah. Right. I have a daughter who is seventeen, and 
And just this last weekend, I was watching her teach my nine-year-old how to swim. And when I've done that in the past, I just get so frustrated. I'm like, no, you got to do this and this, and, and you're not doing that, and you got to do this, right? And I'm giving him like 11 different things, and he gets frustrated, and he never wants me to help him learn how to swim, right? So I go to the pool, and I watch my 17-year-old say, okay, why don't we just do this? And one simple thing, right? And it, it, was, it was a different way of thinking for how to teach that child how to swim, right? Yeah. And, and she got him to do one simple thing really well. And then move to the second simple thing. Well, I was like, here's all nine things. Why aren't you doing any of them well? What's they're all, going they're, on? All, they're all easy. Right? <laughs> but it speaks to his ability to think and teach us differently. You know, one of the things that I love about this verse is really the verse before. Because it sets it up. Behold, the Lord God will with strong, with strong hand and his arm shall rule for them. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Because he has so much capacity, because he is so intelligently uh, going to do this with a strong hand um, and to rule for us, right? Um, he then can come in softly and gently and like a shepherd and, and all these things because he's got all, have all the backing behind him, right? Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I had time, I'd like yeah, to please. share one experience that please. this verse re reminds me of. Um, and this might be hard to, to share, but... Uh, Growing up, I wanted to be good. You know, I really did. That, yeah. that was the desire of my heart. And people thought I was actually better than I really was. Mm -hmm. Not because I was going around trying to deceive people. It's just that my, my problems weren't visible sure. on the outside. They were right. in my heart, my mind. Yeah. And, um, and I, had, I had a favorite sin. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a weird way to talk about sin, but I think a lot of people have a favorite sin. Yeah, that one thing. That one thing yeah. that we know is wrong, and, and maybe we've even tried to get rid of it. And, and that's what I did. I had this one thing, and, uh, and I would repent. And I, and I would, on my knees, and, I would, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, please forgive Sincerely. me. Sincerely. Yeah, 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 in that moment. And mm -hmm. then it would come back. I would allow it to come back. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, I was about 16, 17, and uh, one day... I felt particularly weighed down by all of this. I felt unclean. I felt like I had this secret. I did. I had a secret life nobody knew about, and uh, and I just said, "I've had enough. This this hurts me enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of this." And and I I went to prayer again because what else do you do? Um, but this time I it was an out loud prayer. Most of the other prayers were just in my head. And I can still picture the old, ugly, stuffed, overstuffed chair that we had. <laughs> and I kneeled down. Nobody else was in the house or I wouldn't have done it this way. And I started to pray. And all I got out was, Heavenly Father. And then it was this. <laughs> I couldn't talk. And I started to sob. I'd never felt so bad. I'd never felt so worthless. I'd never felt so unclean. I just sobbed. And I thought about what a disappointment I was to my Heavenly Father. What a disappointment I was to my older brother who had paid this price for me. And here I am kind of abusing that, that great gift. And then something I'd never thought of before. If, if mother's hearts are more tender than mother in heaven's heart, and what, how must I be hurting her? And I was sobbing and making that ugly crying face, you yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I could finally talk, again, all I could think of was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Over and over. And then, I don't know how long this all took, several minutes, but, uh, and then... That was, that was replaced. 
like that. Hmm. And uh, it sounds a little Alma, the younger yeah. light. Oh, it's coming to my head right <laughs> yeah. now as you're saying it. Um, I'm not to that degree, but but uh, and and it was gone. All of those dark thoughts, all of those unkind, unworthy thoughts were gone. And I don't want to make this sound like more than it really was, but it was like what I think it would be like to have the Savior put His arms around me and pull me to His heart. And the message that I got was, it's okay. It's okay. I love you. And I was clean. I was forgiven. Um, I'd like to say that was the last time. <laughs> it wasn't. But uh, that was a change in my life. I have learned lots of stuff. I've learned lots of things about the gospel, yeah. and I have testimonies of these different principles, but the heart and soul of my testimony is that the Savior loves me, even when I'm not lovable, even when I don't feel worthy of it, even when I can't imagine why He would. He loves me, yeah. and it's all right. He's paid that price for me. Wow, Neil, thank you. What a beautiful story, a beautiful testimony. A story that um, probably most relate to on some level. Um, I wish I could say I have had a very similar moment. Um, and I have, I've had similar moments, but, but uh, when we hear them like that, with that much clarity uh, it teaches me I need to seek them again yeah a daily experience and I on think some smaller scale maybe yeah I think he gives us what we need yeah yeah I love that I've loved this I've loved going through with you um, I'm one of the things I just love about you Neil is is the depth of knowledge that you have is seemingly endless oh. but your uh, capacity to stay on the surface for the rest of us that you know, maybe can't get down that deep and, and feel the spirit and, and learn and, and uh, help help us learn uh, together, I think is the Savior's way, right? He knew so much more than he taught most of the time. And uh, just grateful for your willingness to come in and be with us today and, and share you. some thoughts. Thank Any you, closing things you'd want to say before we break off? Well, nothing really about Isaiah, but your, your really kind words um, remind me of once in a while, I'll go to a basketball game, mostly high school, where you've got rivals playing each other, and the one team has a really, really, really good player, and yep. he makes a mistake. Yep. Their fans start chanting, overrated, yeah, overrated. Right, yeah. I feel overrated oh. <laughs> when people talk about me the oh. way you just did. Well, but I appreciate the, okay. the intent of them and their kindness. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, we'll have you back. We'll have you back multiple times, I'm sure. But. Uh, and I'm excited to get out of Isaiah and to hear your thoughts on something else and go as deep <laughs> into that. So thank you again for being with us and we'll see you next time. Thank you.